right, good morning, Downtown Community Church. How you guys doing? Awesome. So glad you're here. Uh, they invited me back to come speak again, so glad to be here. I tried to get them to change the song to Slim Shady's back again, but they didn't want to do it. They felt like it was a little inappropriate, probably accurate. You guys are probably, half of you guys are too young to even know what I'm talking about, but that's okay. Uh, but no, I'm excited. And if you're joining us online, um, so glad you're here with us. Uh, if, in case you're wondering, Ben did not leave. Um, he is on a much-needed vacation, uh, so we're excited that he's getting some rest um, and getting some time off. Um, me doing this two weeks in a row, I was telling a couple people, I have a newfound respect. Uh, I mean, I've always respected Ben, right? But I have a newfound respect for him, like, preparing a sermon every week on top of everything else he does. Um, so, uh, one, just I, I ask that you continue to pray for him as he prepares every week and he brings God words to us um, and thank him. So thank him for what he does because um, he does a lot. Um, but I know he's in California tuning in online. So, um, hey, Ben, drop your name in the chat. Um, <laughs> and then also I was able to participate in a wedding last night for a young couple, Luke and Karen. Some of you guys were there. Woo! Yeah. Uh, they got married last night. So I know they are also joining us online bright and early this morning. Um, but <laughs> all right. Um, cool. So here's what I want you to do. Everybody, I want you to grab a piece of paper, a pen, a phone, open your notes app, and I want you to do something real quick as we get started. Literally everybody grab your phone. I don't have my phone, but I got a piece of paper. Grab it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down someone's name who has encouraged you in your spiritual walk. I want you to just take a second Everybody here, write down someone's name that has encouraged you in your spiritual rock. Just write it on top, top of the paper, write it on top of your note. We'll come back to that later. But uh, I want us to, so I was, as I was preparing for the sermon today, I was uh, reminded of a story of, um, it happened in 1947. So there was a, uh, in 1947, I'm sure you guys are familiar what all happened then, but Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier in professional baseball. So he, if you guys seen the movie 42, it's a great, great movie of just kind of his story. But Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier. He's the first uh, black baseball player to play in Major League Baseball. And the first two months was, was horrific. Everywhere he went, uh, he got booed, whether it was at home or whether it was on the road. Everybody booed him. His teammates didn't want him to be there. His coaches didn't want him to be there. And he was, he was feeling just desperate, feeling completely defeated. Well, on June 21st, uh, he was, they were playing a game at home. He goes down, makes an error at second base, and the place just goes nuts, just booing him, booing him. And he's just, he's just like, man, just hanging his head. Well, in that moment, the shortstop, Pee Wee Reese, Pee Wee was not his given name, it was a nickname. Um, Pee Wee Reese walks, walks across the field in the middle of the game, and he comes over and he puts his arm around Jackie Robinson, and he turns to the crowd the crowd goes silent. And in that moment, Pee Wee Reese took a brave step, took a step of, of walking across the field, putting himself on the line, and took a step to encourage Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson later says, that moment saved his career. The man that broke the color barrier in baseball, it saved his career in that moment. And inevitably, it ended up changing the game of baseball. So that small act of encouragement went such a long way in his life. But in fact, we all know research plays a huge, or research, <laughs> encouragement plays a huge part 
in, in how we act and how we respond to situation, how it affects us. And actually a study done by Newberg and Waldman reveals positive words can alter the expression of genes, strengthening areas in our frontal lobes, and promoting the brain's cognitive functioning. So actually encouragement physically affects how our brains operate. Another research shows that uh, encouragement instills confidence, better grades, and better attitudes in students when they receive it from their teachers and their parents. And I, I don't think this is news for anybody because we've all experienced somebody in our life that has encouraged us, that has brought encouragement. Whether it's a simple act of um, a thank you or seeing a gifting that you have and calling that out in you, maybe you, you, were, you were defeated in that moment. But seeing as a kid, maybe an encouragement of you're a great reader or you're great at math and, and instilling that confidence in you, or you're a great athlete or public speaker or whatever it is, or maybe it's just a, a characteristic that you have, that you're compassionate, uh, a great listener. But whatever it is, that encouragement ultimately made a major impact in who you are. And as we're jumping back into Acts chapter 9 um, today, uh, I, I am excited to, to kind of see how the encouragement of one person made a shift in, in the church as it continued to grow. Um, and in fact, I believe godly encouragement pushes us to be more like Christ and is a major key in our spiritual growth and our development. So we're jumping back into Acts chapter 9. We've been living in Acts chapter 9 for like a month, which I'm cool with. I'm excited about because honestly, like God's word is alive and uh, he has something to speak to us through every, uh, every verse that we read. So um, we're actually just going to go through five verses today um, and I'm excited to, to see what God has to say through it. So I'm going to pray for us as we get started today. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that it is alive. Lord, we ask as our hearts and our, our uh, minds are open to you this morning, Lord, that you can change us, you can shift us to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in Acts chapter 9, as we talked about last week, Saul, also known as Paul, I'm probably going to use those names interchangeably because that's what they do in Acts. Um, Saul, you know, he gets converted. Uh, he, he's a, he becomes a Christian. He stays in Damascus um, for a total of three years. Um, and we're going to pick up in verse 23 as he's still in Damascus. And it says, when many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. So here's Paul. He's been in Damascus. He's been following Jesus for three years. He now is getting kicked out. He's heading to Jerusalem. Well, in Jerusalem are the original disciples uh, that followed Jesus. Um, that's kind of where Christianity is, is kind of starting and flourishing. So he's heading back. Um, and you can imagine there's this feeling of, of excitement, but also like anxiety. Excitement that he's going to finally go see the disciples. And he's going to connect with them. But also this anxiety of, yeah, I used to like kill Christians. I used to persecute them. Um, actually, you know, was there when their friend Stephen was martyred, the first martyr um, for being a Christian. So this, this feeling of excitement and anxiety, it says that he attempts to join them, 
but they're afraid. So he's instantly met with this wall of defeat. We've all been there, right? We've all been at this spot where we're excited to do something, we're excited to kind of step out, and we're just, we're hit with this wall of defeat. Maybe it's a project at work you've been working so hard on, you feel excited about, you're, you're, you're energetic about what you're presenting, and then you show up and they're like, yeah, that's not good enough. Or maybe for you, it's your, it's your spouse that you were trying so desperately hard to love and show your love and affection for, and you're doing all these things, and you're doing the dishes, and you know, helping, helping every way you can, picking the kids up, and doing all the extra stuff, doing the laundry, folding the laundry, whew, it's a chore in itself, um, and then like you're met with, why didn't you take the trash out? And you're met with this moment of like, I'm excited, I'm trying, I'm so excited about this to just defeat or maybe it's you, you know, you're finally taking that step to come back to church or come to church for the first time and um, you show up and you just feel unwelcomed, you feel out of place and you just feel awkward. And you were so excited to come back and so excited to jump back in only to be met feeling unwelcomed. Or maybe even, I think this hits home with all of us, right, where we, we maybe we're we're so excited about this victory over sin in our life. We're so excited that we went a week without looking at pornography, without lusting, and we are just so excited to go to our community group and tell our people, the people that are there with us, hey, I did it. I went a week. I did this. And then you're just met with, cool, cool, cool. But when you fail, this is what you need to do. <laughs> Almost like the expectation is failure. And you're met with defeat. And I think even in the church world, as Jackie Robinson in that moment, I'm sure he was feeling those first couple months, even in the church, we can feel like we're all wearing the same jersey, but we're not on the same team. We can feel like we're wearing the same jersey, but we're not actually on the same team. So starting in verse 27, I love this. It says, but Barnabas, but Barnabas. A little bit of backstory on Barnabas. Um, we see him in Acts chapter 4. Um, there's kinda, he's kind of spread all throughout the New Testament. Um, but in Acts chapter 4, we see Barnabas for the first time. And he is from the tribe of Levi, which is like the royal priesthood of the tribe of Judah. And um, in Acts 4, he actually he becomes a Christian. He sells his land to meet the needs of the early church. And actually... Um, his, so his given name is actually Joseph, but his nickname was Barnabas. And Barnabas means son of encouragement. So I love this. So it's not like a name that his parents gave him that they were like, oh yeah, he's going to be very encouraging when he grows up. Um, hey, no, your kid's a jerk. No. Um, no, it was actually his peers, his people that gave him the name uh, Barnabas, son of encouragement. That's who he was. So starting in verse 27, it says, But Barnabas took him, took Paul, Saul, and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had, he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. I love this. So Barnabas, Barnabas sees a need 
and not just meets it with encouragement, but meets it with action. Barnabas sees a need, meets it with encouragement and action. He sees Paul getting rejected by the apostles, by the disciples. He, believe, he hears his story. He believes him, and he brings them back, and they end up accepting him. He had the confidence of what the Holy Spirit was telling him, the confidence of where the Holy Spirit was leading him, Barnabas did, to not just um, believe Paul, but actually have action and a step behind that. And we also, I love this, in verse 28 it says that, he pre- that Saul preached boldly in the name of the Lord. And I really believe that from that encouragement brought confidence for Saul. That encouragement brought confidence in who God had created Saul to be. So I was, as I was kind of processing and, and reading the story and thinking about it, I was reminded of a time, um, I was 19 years old, um, so I'm from Tallahassee, grew up here, and uh, when I was 18, I moved to California, and I attended like a one-year worship program, a worship leader program. And um, after that year, I uh, felt called to go to Bible college, which was about an hour away in Southern California as well. And so when I went to Bible college and after I kind of finished that first year of worship college, there was definitely a, a part of me that felt defeated as a worship leader. I, I learned a ton. I grew a ton. But after that first year, I definitely was like, okay, God, I went into this really confident that this is what I was supposed to do. And now I am really doubting that this is the direction you have for me as a worship leader. So um, actually my first year, my guitar lived under my um, bunk bed because Bible college, so it was like 10 of us in a room. One bathroom was very interesting. Um, so my guitar just lived under my bunk bed and, and I took classes and I learned a ton and, and everything. And as I was going into my second year, I really felt God calling me to sign up for this worship leader class. And to be honest, like, there was a part of me that's like, gosh, I went through like a year of school. I, I really don't want to do this class. It seems like a waste of time. But okay, I'll sign up for it. I'll do it. So uh, I took this worship leader class, and um, I'll never forget, I was in this class. I think I, I led worship that morning. Um, and my professor, like, after the class, he, like, pulled me aside, and he looked me in the eyes, and he said, you get it, keep pressing in. He looked at me and said, you get it, keep pressing in. And in that moment, it was like this confidence grew inside of me that like, <laughs> okay, God, uh, I'll, trust you. I'll trust you down this path, right? Um, and from that moment, it was like I now had this desire to become a better musician to become a better worship leader, to become a better leader, because my professor took this moment, he took this prompting from the Lord, and he didn't just sit on it, but he felt the need, he saw the need in me, and he actually put an action step behind it and spoke that into me. And here, Barnabas, he did something he didn't have to do for Saul, right? He didn't have to go and to, to risk his reputation, to risk who he, who he was, um, but it was, it was him kind of stepping out in faith, and the same for my professor, it was stepping out and to, to encourage me in that moment. 
And so as powerful as that moment was in my life, um, I, honestly, it's unfortunately so uncommon in our community, right? I, I think a big part is we're, we get so focused on ourselves um, that we maybe don't think about the other people that are around us, um, or we think we see something, we see a gifting in them, and we think they already know it. <laughs> they don't need to say anything about it. They already see that. Or, or I don't want to make them prideful um, is like the holy spiritual way of saying it. Um, or we think it and we just don't say anything. We think it and we just don't say it. Um, but for me, um, I was around a bunch of Christians at that moment, moment in my life. I was around a ton of Christians that loved me, that um, I was very close with, close with. But it was the difference of that professor taking that action of actually saying something that called that out of me, that, that shaped me, and honestly shaped me to who I was or who I am. And, you know, for Paul, it was the same thing. It was that act of encouragement that gave him that boldness to go and preach the gospel. Now, before I continue, I just want to say real quick that... Um, when, as we're talking about encouragement, I'm not talking about, uh, I just want to have a clear expectation that we're not talking about works-based salvation, right? Salvation only comes through Jesus. Uh, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, um, and it's not by our works that we get to um, go to heaven, um, that we get to be with Jesus, but it's only by the blood of Jesus. So what we're talking about is uh, Actually, after we have accepted Christ, encouraging one another um, to be more like Christ. So just want to make that clear as we continue. So verse 29, it says, it says, And he, Paul, spoke and disputed against the Hellenist, but they were seeking to, get, to kill him. So I love this. Paul goes straight to the Hellenists. He goes straight to the people who actually killed Stephen, the first martyr, um, the disciple's close friend. Um, he goes straight after them, and it just, again, shows that boldness that Saul has in this moment. In verse 30, it says, And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord... And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So Saul actually goes off to Tarsus, goes back home um, as they're seeking to kill him again. But the church continues to grow, continues to multiply from this act um, of encouragement from Barnabas that propelled Paul to continue to teach the gospel um, and to push people forward. So let let me pause here. Raise your hand if you wish you had a Barnabas in your life, that you wish you had a son or daughter of encouragement in your life? If you didn't raise your hand, I don't understand. No, no I'm just kidding. Um, if you didn't raise your hand, you just had pit stains and you were nervous. And no, no uh, we all long for a Saul, uh, Saul, a Barnabas in our life, a son or a daughter of encouragement in our life. Yeah, let me ask you this. Why are we not that person? Why are we not that son or daughter of encouragement? I think a big part of that is um, we think because we have a positive attitude and we think because we're not discouraging that we're actually encouraging, right? 
So we think because we have a smile on our face and we're like, hey, how's it going? So good to see you. You know, we're not just tearing other people down that we actually are encouraging. But in fact, the absence, if you're taking notes, I think this is an important note to write down. The absence of, encourage, of discouragement doesn't create encouragement. The absence of encouragement is filled with our insecurities. I'll say it again. The absence of discouragement doesn't create encouragement. If you, are not dis, if you are not discouraging, that does not mean you are encouraging. But the absence of encouragement is filled with our insecurities. Think about it. If, uh, if you, in your job, if your boss does not tell you you're doing a good job, you don't just automatically, or maybe some of us, you don't automatically just say, like, I'm doing great. Like, I am killing the game. No. Like, that absence of encouragement from your boss is actually filled with, man, I might get fired today. <laughs> this might be it for me, right? You guys want to go to lunch? Because it's probably my last day, right? <laughs> That's automatically what's filled in that moment. And you think about it in your marriage as well. Like you had this absence of encouragement. You have this absence of like your spouse that's encouraging you that you know is on your team. That You don't fill that void with, with like, oh, they love me. Like everything's great. Oh, my goodness. No, you fill that void with doubt. You fill that void with, with thinking somebody has, like your spouse is over you and wants to move on and you start to question I'm like man I got a lot of gray hair and like I got this bald spot coming in like she's probably gonna leave me for a younger guy you know uh, you know the the absence of encouragement actually is filled with our insecurities and I think the same goes for um, inner walk with Christ inner walk in our communities right the void of of encouragement in our communities and in our community groups and our discipleship groups, that void of encouragement makes us feel the spiritual defeat. That that sin in your life, you can't overcome. Not you, but you can't overcome that through Jesus because a lack of encouragement for the people around you. And I think it's so hard. This is, this is gonna blow your mind what I'm about to say. I think it's so hard because it takes courage to encourage. It's in there. Courage, encourage, you see it? It takes courage for us to encourage. It takes courage. Uh, just like it took my professor, it took, uh, it took him courage to actually pull me aside and say something. It took courage for Pee Wee Reese to walk across the baseball field and to put his arm around Jackie Robinson in that moment. It takes courage to break the silence uh, in your household of encouragement, for you to break that and to encourage your spouse to be more like Christ, encourage them in how they are Christ in your marriage. And it takes courage to say something to your roommate about how proud of them you are, about how proud of them you are for um, who they are and who they've become and what they're doing. It takes courage to do that. I also think we need the most courage also when we're encouraging up, right, when there's power dynamics involved. It's very easy for me to encourage my kids, right? It's very easy for you to encourage someone you disciple. Every night I, I tell my kids, um, I go, who's always watching over you? And they go, mommy, daddy, and Jesus. But typically it's like mommy, daddy, and poop, 
Like, it's, it's like a game they play for like, like five times, and I'm like, no, no, no. Jesus, okay, good night, All right? <laughs> I have three boys, so like poop is just the constant conversation of our house. But, you know, and then, and then I always say, you know, before I tuck, tuck them into bed, I say, I said, you know that I'm proud of you? And they go, yes. And they go, uh, do you, I go, do you know what that means? And they go, uh, we make your heart happy, right? It's easy to encourage your kids. That's an easy, an easy dynamic. It's very difficult to encourage your boss. To go to your boss, I mean, just picture this, like going to your boss and saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm really thankful for the way you lead our team, all right? It's very difficult to you, for you to go to your community group leader and to encourage them of how the, the areas of Christ that you see in their life. Or to go to um, your roommate that's struggling and to say something to your brother and sister that's struggling and to give them encouragement in who they are and, and how you see Christ in them. But I think Barnabas was such a great example for us. Barnabas not only um, helped Saul in this moment to go and to, uh, to bring him to the disciples and for them to accept him, but he also, as I said in Acts chapter 4, he sold what is land to meet the needs of the church. We see that later on in Acts chapter 11 that, Saul, that Barnabas on his own goes and finds Saul who has been in Tarsus for 12 years and he goes and calls him and says, hey man, this is how I picture it going. He's like, hey, God's got more for you. You've been in Tarsus for 12 years, like, let's get to work, man. And they go to Antioch, and they start a church, and they preach, and they say the church grows every day um, as they teach, preach in Antioch for a year. Uh, and fun fact, that's actually where the term Christian first started being used, is in Antioch. And we see that Barnabas, uh, later on, there's a division between uh, Saul and Barnabas over a guy named John Mark, and Barnabas believes that John Mark has had this life change in him, and he accepts him to come and goes, goes on, uh, on a missionary journey um, with them. And we actually see later on that Barnabas takes a back seat to Paul as Paul kind of becomes the, the figurehead of the growing church in the New Testament. But again, we all fall short and desperately need Jesus. But encouraging one another just pushes us to want to, to be more like him, <laughs> to be more like Jesus. Jesus, And it's so much easier, I mean, I, we all get this, it's so much easier to sit on the sideline, to be the nice guy, <laughs> to be the guy that, or the girl that has a positive attitude, that um, is not discouraging just like Jackie Robinson and all of his teammates, I don't think anybody was at the point of like being mean. But it took courage. It takes courage for us to go and to encourage each other. And to break that mold of feeling like, well, we're in the same jersey, but we're not on the same team. So to truly feel like we're on a team together, that we're doing this together, that we're pursuing Christ together as a community by encouraging one another to be more like him and calling those things out of us. Again, when we have the courage to encourage, we push each other to become more like Christ. As Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another and build one another up. 
as Paul, as again, Paul is writing this later to another church, he says, hey, encourage one another, build each other up. So as we close out today as Christians, how can you be a son or daughter of encouragement to the people around you? How can you be a Barnabas to the people that are around you? I mean, and, and how much different would our church family look if we had a community of, of encouraging one another, of seeing Christ in each other's lives and calling that out and building each other up? And if you're here today and you're exploring your faith and you are... Um, want to know what this whole Jesus thing is about, man, how much more would you want to be a part of that team <laughs> that's, that's all there pushing each other forward? So I want you to look back at that name that you wrote on top of your paper or your notes app. And I want you to think, man, what can I do to encourage that person today? Maybe it's been 10 years, 20 years since you've talked to that person. Maybe it's been a week. Or maybe it was this morning. But as a body, as a family, as a team, what can we do to encourage one another, to build each other up? And practically speaking, what can you do for that person today? Awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your word is alive. Lord, that it speaks to us. Lord, in that a simple verse that's in your word can can speak so much, Father. And I just ask as we um, go throughout our week this week, as we uh, move forward, Lord, I pray that we can, we can encourage one another, encourage one another to be more like Christ, encourage one another to, to do the things that you've called us to do and to, to call out the attributes of you that we see in, in each other as a family. Lord, and I pray that, um, Lord, we see that it's not through works that we come to know you, but it's only through your son and the work you've done on the cross, Jesus. We love you so much. We praise you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.